what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with the Reef Bum. I'm your host Keith Burkelhammer and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Chad Clayton from Reef Nutrition to the show. Chad has actually been working as a professional in aquaculture for 22 plus years and for the past 12 years he has worked for Reed Mariculture. They produce, uh, as you may know, instant algae, instant zooplankton and reef nutrition products. His current duties include live feeds culture, tech support, social media, trade shows, consulting, and educational presentations. That's a lot, Chad. He lives in Santa Cruz, California with his wife and two kids, and he enjoys hiking, running, playing piano, and just about anything related to the aquatic world. Hey, Chad, man, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you being a guest. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate you having me on. It's great. So, Chad, uh, obviously these are uh, interesting times, and I hope you and your family are uh, doing well and staying safe. Yes, we are. It's, uh, I'm actually very, very happy to be employed. Uh, <laughs> the aquarium hobby is still moving full steam ahead, uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's, I'm very fortunate to have been working through all of this, even since March. Uh, so um, for all of those people that are not working, I, I, my heart goes out for sure. So now is, is the, all the facilities out in California, all the personnel working in the, um, you know, at least remotely in California or some obviously have to be at the facility? Uh, yeah, at our farm, uh, we have uh, like three people out of the 19 employees that are working remotely and, but everybody else needs to be at the farm because the, all the jobs are pretty much hands-on. You know, uh, maintaining 1.5 million gallons of algae and zooplankton uh, requires uh, a lot of hands and a lot of eyes and a lot of ears. And, uh, and, and so, um, yeah, the, the algae uh, doesn't take weekends. It doesn't care if there's a pandemic. Uh, so we just got to keep, keep the machine rolling. And it's cool that we don't have that many employees. Uh, most of us are pretty much... Uh, kind of like on an island, on our own island at the farm, we are all doing our own individual things. We're not in really indoors, we're in greenhouses, so we're not in offices, you know, very close, in close proximity to each other. There's none of that. Uh, and, and so it's, it, you know, it's the distancing is no problem for us. Yeah, no, that's important. I think you guys uh, sound fortunate. A lot of um, other businesses, it's, it's not as easy, I imagine. So folks, um, we have a great opportunity here with Chad on the show and, and we welcome you to, um, you know, type in your comments into the chat section. I see uh, Reef uh, KPR is here. What's up? How you doing? Hey, Phil. It's Phil. All right. Yeah. Phil's yeah. tuned in before. So, uh, yeah, folks, uh, certainly chime in with uh, with questions. I have a lot of questions for you, Chad. And, Chad, you also uh, – I always, like, ask my guests to uh, – if they can, provide a video. And, and so Chad did provide a uh, behind-the-scenes video for the um, – facilities are at reef nutrition so we're going to uh, we're going to play that in a little bit but um you know so so chad another thing that i typically do with my guests is i i ask them kind of like how they got into the hobby how they got into the business so what uh what's your story there chad how did it all uh, develop for you oh well it started off as a hobby for sure when i was 14 years old i got my first uh, saltwater aquarium as a 55 gallon tank and uh, under gravel filters and cheap uh you know terrible lighting and uh, and, and that's kind of how it all got started. I used to go to the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago uh, as a kid and just loved it. Would just My parents would just sit me down in front of the, the, the Lake Michigan tanks, and I would just sit there and stare at them and memorize fish names and then tell people as, as they're walking by what they're looking at. 
Uh, so you can imagine some little kid doing something like that. It was, you know, it's quite comical. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I, how it all got started for me. And, and then I decided once I, I was ready to graduate high school, I would go into, uh, go to college for marine biology and aquaculture. And I kind of had an inkling that I wanted to be breeding fish and, and be involved in aquaculture in that aspect, as far as the aquarium trade goes and, and breeding aquarium fishes. So clownfish was where it was at. And, and yeah, I got a lot of experience uh, culturing live feed organisms at a variety of jobs that I've had. I, I used to work at ORA back from 2002 to 2006 uh, and, ha and got a lot of uh, firsts under my belt for myself, breeding clownfish and dottybacks and cardinals and seahorses. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I got a lot of my experience with, with all aspects of, of marine ornamental aquaculture, whether it was broodstock, larval rearing, diet preparation, grow out systems, medication, quarantining, and even protecting our broodstock from uh, Hurricane Jean, which the, just slammed into Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institution down there in Fort Pierce, Florida. And we literally had to move all the broodstock into this hurricane bunker and feed them all night, keep the lights, life support systems going. And we saved the company. I mean, it was it was unbelievable because the greenhouses got ripped to pieces and it was chaos. It was a big mess, but we saved the broodstock. Uh, so that was that was a really wow. crazy thing to be involved with in aquaculture. Uh, and then I got a lot of experience with copepods at, at ORA and then out in Hawaii growing a species of amberjack. And and so I came to read Mariculture 12 years ago to grow uh, live feed organisms. Basically, Tim and Lynn brought me on to grow copepods. They said these animals are the future of aquaculture. They're the future of the hobby. Uh, you know, we'll be able to keep, uh, you know, more delicate species alive with live zooplankton organisms. Uh, and it's, it would also be a great, uh, Tim, he's like, it'll be great to be a source of starter cultures for copepods. You know, instead of having to live on the coast somewhere and go and tow your own, you know, tow a net through the, through the water to get your own plankton, you know, people in Missouri can breed, you know, uh, dwarf angels and buy copepods from us or, or any of the other vendors out there. And if their cultures crash, we got them. We got the backup. So, so it was really cool to be a part of that. And then, you know, and then doing the trade shows and, and education presentation stuff and consulting folks. Uh, and it's really great to have the crossover of working in aquaculture with, with food fish companies, marine ornamental companies, uh, people working with bivalves, you know, oysters, clams, shrimp, and then be also involved with the hobby. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of overlap with, you know, the, the algae and the zooplankton that people are using in aquaculture and the hobby. Um, and, and it's really fun to kind of you know, talk about those things with hobbyists, uh, because, you know, like us, uh, you know, people that have aquariums, uh, they, they're really into this kind of thing. And so they love to hear how other people are doing it in other, you know, areas of the world. So that's cool. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool to kind of be at, uh, ORA at the beginning there. They, uh, when, when did they actually start operations? How many years were they operating before you joined ORA? Well, ORA has been around since the nineties. I know that they had, there was a clownfish facility in the Bahamas, and I can't remember what it was called, but they moved all the broodstock over to Harbor Branch and started ORA, and that was in the that was in the '90s. Yeah. So, so Chad, um, you, you kind of alluded to a couple of things in terms of um, what you're doing at um, Reef Nutrition, but can you kind of give the the folks that are viewing a real you know good overview of of what uh, Reef Nutrition is all about, the types of products that you guys have? Yeah, so we we produce and and manufacture coral and fish food, uh, and all of our foods, well, most most of them are liquid suspension in in bottles. Refrigeration keeps everything stable, uh, and so a lot of people like to use our products because they don't need to mix it with anything. They don't need to thaw it out. 
uh, they just simply can squirt their dose or measure their dose, put it in their tank, and, and put the bottle back in the fridge. Uh, we also specialize in, uh, in, in live copepods, so people that are looking to keep you know, animals like mandarins and pipefish and seahorses uh, alive long-term uh, can rely on us for live copepods, live zooplankton organisms for those animals. Uh, and, and we, you know, we also, um, we also sell a pelleted food that's being used in aquaculture, TDO, and a lot of hobbyists are now using that works great in an auto feeder and people are feeding it to corals and fish. Um, and, and so, you know, with, with products like the Phyto Feast, which is a phytoplankton blend, that's our top product. Uh, Tigger Pods is, is in our top three. And so is Oyster Feast, uh, Oyster Feast and Phyto Feast are, are primarily used by most hobbyists. That's the the power combo that a lot of people like to use. And those products are also used by uh, retailers and, and people that are, uh, you know, aquaculture and corals. Uh, and, and in fact, we just joined the, the uh, AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, uh, the Florida Reef Track Restoration Program, and they're using our oyster feast to feed to corals that are spawning in captivity. Uh, same with roe, our fish eggs. And so it's really cool. And, and, you know, we've got all the other products that are alternative to the frozen stuff, like frozen copepods, frozen brine shrimp, frozen mysis, which are the PE mysis, the Piscine Energetics. Uh, and so a lot of people like those products because they don't need to thaw anything out. They don't even need to touch it. They just need to, you know, pop the cap, squeeze the bottle and, and feed their animals. Uh, and, and, you know, our, our products are highly concentrated. This is another thing we're known for is, is our Phyto Feast is the most concentrated phytoplankton product on the market. Uh, and same with our copepods. We, you know, we are a commercial facility. We overproduce these items. And we're incredibly consistent and we try to give people as much biomass, as much, you know, as many animals as, as possible for their money. Uh, because, you know, this hobby is not cheap and, and feeding corals a high quality food, feeding fish something of high quality, uh, you know, means a lot to people. So we want them to, you know, money well spent kind of thing uh, for our products. And, and of course, we offer them in a variety of sizes and, and we're, we're mostly found in retail stores. You know, we, we've been supporting the local fish stores since the beginning, since 2005, when our line came out, uh, because we believe that that is the lifeline of this hobby. Um, when I was a kid, I used to go to retail stores and, and it was like going to the public aquarium. It was amazing. So, so yeah, it's, you know, food for fish and corals and, and, you know, of high quality. And you know, that's what we bring to the plate. We've been, we've been doing this uh, since 2005 and uh, we've come out with a few products here and there since then. And, and we're pretty happy with the line. It's, it's got a good it's got a good range of versatility, you know, particle size, nutritional nutritional profiles, and different types of animals and, and phytoplankton and cells and things like that. So, yeah. So I think this is a good point to uh, to show that video that you shot for us, um, Chad. So let me um, let me play that video, and um, you know there will be a little bit of a lag, but yeah, if you can kind of like narrate over that, let's. Um, Let's roll that, um, here, here we go. So we got the first clip that's kind of showing the product in the bins. Okay. It, uh, should come up on the air, there we go. Oh yes, so yeah, that's, so this is our shipping cooler. So we have two giant coolers that are walk-in coolers. We can push carts in and out of them. And this is how we stage our products. So the, the guys that work in shipping, we have two shippers, Mark and Scott. Uh, and this is how we line up the products for them to pull them. Uh, and they get there typically really early in the morning, pull all the products they need, you know, and everything's well organized. 
Uh, and, you know, we, we take orders, we fill styrofoam boxes, pack the ice, and tape them up and, and ship them out, FedEx. Uh, there's a Reef Hobbyist magazine. We've been supporting that magazine since it started. We actually give free Reef Hobbyist magazines to all of our stores, uh, and, and customers get a get one as well. And then you can see here, this is the TDO, the, the dry feed that's a weaning diet and a grow-out feed and, and just a general all-purpose all food for uh, corals and fish. Um, so, so yeah, this is kind of just you know where we stage things, and this is the final product before it's put in a box and uh, handed off to the shipper. And uh, so now this video here, this is our Tigriopus californicus. These are the tigger pods, and this is a video of one of the ponds that we grow them in. Uh, and um, we typically let the tanks run for up to 70 to 90 days, and we har do 100% harvest, so it's all batch culture. Uh, and then from there, we size separate and and do our calculations and put them in the bottles and, and put them in the fridge and then uh, sell them to uh, hobbyists and stores. Uh, and then in this video, you can see uh, some live isocrisis algae bubbling. And in these carboys uh, is a species of copepod called Parvocalinus crassirostris. And this copepod was critical in the success of the Yellow Tang project out in Hawaii and the Blue Tangs in, in you know, University of Florida. Uh, so this copepod is a very small nauplii, which made it very valuable. And then in this video, you can see algae bubbling, and this is our little algae lab. Um, this is a very biosecure uh, area in our facility. We keep, keep it under positive pressure, don't allow anybody in there, uh, because these are all of our starter cultures. So, uh, you know, the 1.5 million gallons of phytoplankton, uh, th those, those cultures that we have growing, they start from these, these small cultures here, and then we inoculate our large uh, commercial uh, scale cultures with these and and you know just providing with light and nutrient and and uh, aeration and a little bit of co2 um, and then this is the tigger pods uh, this is you know what one of the products that we're very famous for the live tigriopus californicus uh, that are native to the west coast of north america and we've we have them fully domesticated we've been growing them for about 13 years in our greenhouses uh, and then this video here is the compact culture system where we grow our S-type rotifers, the Brachionis rotundiformis, and uh, these rotifers are, are used, uh, very, they're very specialized for certain food fish and, and research companies that are working with small larval fish. Um, and in this video we hear, here we have the Apocyclops panamensis, this is another copepod that I work with. Um, we call them apex pods for the hobby. Uh, these animals are being used in marine ornamental aquaculture as a first live feed organism for larval fish and also in conjunction with other live feed organisms like rotifers. Uh, and, and so we basically culture these without feeding them live algae. It's nice. We have a little refrigerator. Uh, we dose out our Rotogrow Plus to them uh, six to, uh, uh, every hour on the hour, 24 hours a day, and everything is automated. You can see tubes and, and heaters and bubbling and, and all that stuff. So we try to automate things so that we're not spending all, all, you know, all day long in these areas uh, so that I can do things like this. Uh, um, yeah, it's all about the automation with our with reed mariculture, and unfortunately, I can't show you the, the large-scale algae production um, because it, there's a lot of proprietary stuff there, and we're we're one of only like three or four companies in the world that are growing marine microalgae on a large scale for aquaculture. Uh, so we, you know, we keep all that stuff hidden. I jokingly call it Algae 51 because um, <laughs> we don't even let people know the location of our facility. Uh, so so yeah, that was kind of cool little walk through, a little sneak peek. Uh, Behind the scenes at Reed Mariculture, it's not, not common for that kind of thing to, to happen. So the people that are tuning in now, uh, that's a nice little treat for you guys.
So has, has COVID impacted you guys at all in terms of uh, production? So, um, so basically our aquaculture, the aquaculture side of our company is, is still doing great. We're, we're thriving. There's the big fish farms and, and oyster hatcheries all over the world are still doing their thing because, you know, these guys are just farmers and there's maybe a few people working on the farm and they're, you know, they're already, you know, distancing themselves anyway, growing fish. Um, it's not like, you know, they're working in an office or, or in a, you know, a classroom or something. Um, and so all those, all those companies still continue to thrive. Um, you know, even though they're international and the hobby is, is still hanging in there, you know, people are still, you know, feeding their corals, feeding their fish. They're not just shutting everything down and letting everything die. Um, you know, a lot of people are stuck at home and, and so they're actually paying more attention to their aquariums and I'm sure the glass looks a little bit cleaner. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of people say that. Yeah. But other than that, you know, we've had to be flexible with certain employees that have young kids like myself. I've got a six year, a seven year old boy and a four year old girl and, there's no, my, we're having this homeschool my son this year and, and my daughter isn't in daycare. So uh, the reads are very flexible with me. I get to be home a couple days a week and do things like this and, you know, work remotely. Um, and, and, you know, we've got some other employees with young children that are, uh, you know, with teens and, and 12 year olds that are actually coming in and helping us out, helping us, uh, you know, oh, label wow. bottle caps and label packages. And um, yeah, so we're kind of, it's, it's a big family, you know, we all just kind of, jump in and make it work and do whatever we have to do. And, and that's what I love about Reed Mariculture. Been, this is the longest I've ever been with a company, 12 years. And, and they, they definitely treat all of us very well. And there's a lot of employee longevity. We've still got a couple of guys with us that have been there since the beginning, since 1997. So. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's, that's always great to see. I mean, that, that's a sign of a really good, solid company when you kind of have that kind of longevity. So that's, uh, that's awesome. So we got a, Absolutely. We got we got some more folks joining the uh, the live stream here. Um, we got Atomic Aquaculture Ben. I don't know if you know Ben, ben there or not. We've got Battle yep. Battle OCR, and um, that person is asking: Any big fish eat pods? I never see uh, like my tangs or anything go after them. You know, the bigger fish um, tend to eat the larger copepods, just like the do the dead ones. You know, like our arctopods are 3,000 micron, they're twice the size of a ticker pod. Um, and so, you, you know, typically people feed the arctopods to their larger fish. Um, I know there are some wrasses that will peck at, at live copepods, some of the bigger wrasses. Hey, doggy. <laughs> That's my golden <laughs> retriever puppy who's been bumping oh up God. against my leg. <laughs> Huge so, pause. So, wow. Sorry about that. His, his, name, is, uh, his name is Wilson. And uh, and he uh, he he was he's getting a little hyperactive here, so don't mind him. <laughs> Go ahead, Chad. I'm sorry. So so yeah, the arctopods would be appropriate for big fish, and those just those aren't those aren't alive. So you know you're looking at you know six month uh, shelf life on those for our arctopods, and that's what I recommend if you want to get some pods into your big fish. So um, let's let's talk about your um, your coral feeds, and um, you mentioned you know that uh, oyster uh, feast and, and phyto feast, right, are probably your two main um, popular um, products. What, um, what 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 can they do for coral growth and coloration if used um, correctly? And obviously, you have to just um, you can't just you know lean on coral foods to uh, to you know maximize and and enhance colors and and get the good growth. But um, you know what's the key in terms of what, what do those coral foods provide the corals in terms of nutrition? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, so oyster feast is oyster eggs. And oyster, oyster eggs are very high in fats and proteins. 
Um, you know, there's there's certainly amino acids in there and vitamins and minerals. Uh, and, and so with the amino acids and the lipids that are kind of in the in the liquid matrix around the eggs, those things we know are very stimulating to corals. And people do see a strong feeding response with our oyster feast. We hear it time and time again that corals send out feeder, feeder tentacles. The polyp extension is noticeable and, and the growth is noticeable. You know, these are people, you know, like us that pay very close attention to their animals. Uh, and, you know, everybody always loves to watch their animals eat. Um, and, and so and, and also with the oyster feast, you know, with all of these nutritional components, um, you know, people that are breeding corals in captivity, you know, they, they always say you got to feed your corals. You got to feed them something that's of good quality. Uh, and, and, you know, with the, with the help of Oyster Feast and some of these captive coral breeding programs, they've, you know, they're, they're getting great growth out of their corals and they're getting the spawn. You know, these, these corals are gaining enough energy from this food to, to, you know, to reproduce themselves. And that is fantastic stuff. Um, and of course, you know, there are other coral foods out there that, you know, these, these companies are using in conjunction with ours. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's plenty of variety in our Oyster Feast, but, you know, there's there's also some other components that people are looking for to get into their corals. And, um, and you know, and phytoplankton is another one of those that that are very wide, that's very widely used with non photosynthetic corals and, and non photosynthetic bivalves. Um, and and these animals, you know, they need to eat. It's you know, we we know that they need to eat because if you don't feed an, an NPS coral, it dies. I mean, it's it's just it just dies. Um, and, and so, you know, kind of, a you know, these living testimonials, these corals, these gorgonians and, and, uh, you know, tubastria and all these other things that are, that are surviving with phytoplankton with, you know, uh, consistent feedings, um, you know, the proof is there with those animals being alive and, and in some cases they're reproducing themselves. Um, and, and so, yeah, and, and with the phytoplankton, our phytofeast contains six different species of phytoplankton and every, every one of those species has its own nutritional profile. Some of, their ver some of them are very rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Some of them are very rich in sterols, um, vitamins and minerals. And then you get the carotenoid, the pigmentation components of those, of, of phytofeast, all those phytopigments, which are only produced by phytoplankton. And they get into the animals and they enhance the pigmentation. You know, um, a, a classic example of an animal that gets pigmentation from its diet is a flamingo. Uh, you take the, the diet away from the flamingo and the pigmentation uh, goes away. It, it fades out. Uh, and, and the same can be said for a lot of corals and, and you know, and even fish. Um, and so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all of that variety, that huge variety with, with the different cells of phytoplankton and the oyster eggs and the ovarian tissue that really equates to, you know, a good feeding response and, and those corals put on mass. You know, they, they consume those products and they excrete their waste, but they, they, you know, they assimilate whatever they need. Um, and, and, you know, and then there's, you know, different ways to feed our products. So, you know, some people will broadcast feed and, and some people will target feed. And we have instructions on our bottles for both methods. And of course, you know, you can overfeed anything. So we always recommend people start off conservatively uh, and, and go from there because every tank biologically is different. You know, everybody's got different bacterial populations. Uh, you know, a different number of mouths to feed. You know, some people are chocked full of SPS and some people just have, you know, green star polyp and, and mushroom corals. Uh, and so we don't really like to say that one dose fits all, 
we just try to be, you know, be, you know, real with people and say, look, be conservative, you know, watch your tank and don't don't abandon your husbandry techniques and, and make sure you've got the proper filtration. You know, do your homework on, on all of that mechanical stuff and chemical filtration uh, before you start increasing your feed amounts. So. So, yeah, that's, you know, and, and we also uh, do a very good job of offering uh, larger volumes of these products. For people that have huge tanks or people that are running a store or like SeaWorld who has an 8,000 gallon system for captive breeding of corals. Mm. Uh, so we, we offer different volumes uh, for people um, to do those things. Like for instance, we have a, a cubitainer, which is a 10 liter container with a dispensing valve. And that's not even on our website, but that's something we offer to people. And there's some savings involved when they buy a 10 liter container of our feed. But you know, these are the people that have, you know, aquaculture facilities that are using this kind of right stuff. so yeah and then, and then the shelf life is very good as well so um, I used to use both um, oyster feast and, and phyto feast in my 225 gallon tank which I'm not not running currently but actually the um, the background picture on our live stream is a uh, is a shot from the from that tank and it was just SPS dominant do um, do you recommend um, you know if you've got an SPS dominant tank is is that the best combination or would you um, say oyster feast um, you know by itself is probably the best way to go for an SPS dominant tank? You know if uh, you know I, I've heard of people that, that have said SPS corals consume phytoplankton and and so the, you know I don't know if there's any you know concrete research on it there probably is I just haven't looked into it but but most people feed our oyster feast two SPS corals alongside with the fish eggs, our row. Oh, um, really? Which are cod and haddock. Yeah, the cod and haddock eggs. So those two are the most common feeds for individuals or companies with SPS dominant systems. And are they um, broadcast feeding those? Mo yeah, most people broadcast feed. Yeah. So you, yeah, the, the people that I typically see target feed are, are target feeding like LPS right. corals. Yeah, that makes sense. So you mentioned, um, Chad, that Oyster uh, Feast has aminos in it. Would um, if you're using uh, Oyster Feast, do you uh, really don't have to bother dosing, a, you know, a separate amino acid product, or um, does Oyster Feast work well in conjunction with something, um, you know, just solely aminos that you would be dosing? Yeah, we have you know we have customers that feed Oyster Feast uh, exclusively. And, you know, they, they report that their corals have good coloration and good growth and good feed response, and they don't dose the amino acids. And I always tell people, you know, there, of, of course there's amino acids in oyster eggs. There's proteins in there. And what are proteins made of? They're made of amino acids. Uh, and, and so, you know, all of those things are in there. And there's even free amino acids in our oyster feast, um, which are not bound in peptide or protein form. Uh, and so corals can absorb those and, you know, and, and those things are very stimulating. Um, and, and that's another thing that I, I will mention is that Oyster Feast, uh, once it's added to the tank, the corals, it, it takes a little bit of time for the corals to kind of wake up and, you know, and smell the smell the roses, so to speak. Um, and, and, you know, and then and then they start to get into more of a, a, an aggressive feed mode. And that's when individuals will follow up with like the row or the roadie feast. Because then those corals are kind of in this more aggressive feed mode. They're they're capturing the food particles. They're con they're in active consumption. They're swelling. You know those hydrostatic uh, uh, membranes and things are are filling up and swelling. So, you know the the oyster feast really is what is what is makes the powerful feed response 
gets them going, and then they're consuming oyster eggs, and then you can follow up with other things. Do, is it recommended to feed, um, you know, these feeds uh, for corals at a certain time of day? Do you need to turn the protein skimmer off? Yeah, so a lot of people will do that. They'll put their skimmer on like a feed mode, so they'll turn it off for about 30 minutes if they're going to do a broadcast uh, feeding scenario. Uh, and then, yeah, and then let the, let the corals just soak in the food for 30 minutes, even up to an hour. Um, and then, and then that skimmer fires back up and, and starts to actively strip out the, the organics from the oyster feast. You know, it doesn't just instantly strip them out that the oyster eggs and, and small particles get recirculated through the system. Um, because you know, they're very small, they're smaller than 200 micron. And most people don't run bags that are, you know, much smaller than that because they just get clogged. Um, and so, so, uh, and then as far as feeding times of day, it's, it's kind of all over the board. You know, a lot of people will feed during the day and, and, and people will feed at night. Uh, and, and so, I, I, you know, I, I don't know which one is, is more appropriate. I know some corals do better at, I mean, are some corals more active at night? Um, and so there might be some credence in feeding your corals at night. Of course, it would take some observation and, you know, an experimentation, but, um, for the most part, people feed during lights on. Yeah, that's that's what I've done with, when when I've used your products is um, you know I just basically would feed in the um, early evening when when you know one of the times when I'd be feeding the fish I would just kind of uh, mix it in with the fish food and um, kind of broadcast feed it. I don't even think I turned the skimmer off, but um, it it definitely uh -huh. seemed like I was um, you know my uh, my animals were uh, corals were benefiting um, for sure. What, um, yep, absolutely. Chad, what, what, uh, what's different about uh, Reef Nutrition versus other uh, coral feed companies out there and other uh, fish, uh, you know, companies that offer uh, nutritional products for fish and corals? How, how do you guys, uh, what, what's unique about you guys and, and how do you um, kind of differentiate yourself versus a competition? Well, one thing that sets us apart is the liquid suspension aspect of our feeds and just how easy they are to use. Um, and, and, you know, and, and refrigeration is the preservative, basically. We don't have to add any, any extra chemical preservatives to stabilize the products for like a room temperature scenario. Uh, and also our products are, are individually specific. So you know, we don't take a bunch of things and, and bake them and combine them into a powder. And we don't, you know, and we don't just grab a bunch of ingredients and just combine them into, into a, you know, a, a single product. We like to keep all of these things separate so that the hobbyist can, you know, can use in the individual products as they need them and, and, you know, use the phytoplankton when they just need phytoplankton, use the row when they just need row. Uh, and, and it gives them the luxury of kind of switching back and forth between these different feed types. Um, and also we, you know, we produce some of these foods ourselves. Uh, and, and one of the things that sets us apart from all the phytoplankton producers out there is our fight is is our ability to grow phytoplankton on a massive scale on a commercial scale and pack a lot of biomass into a bottle so our phytofee six ounce is 20 times as concentrated as any of our competition mm. and our so our basically our algae is 45 cents a gram and our and our top competitor is nine dollars and 22 cents a gram mm. um, so if you're buying phytoplankton from somebody else you are most definitely not getting what you pay for. There's nothing wrong with the phytoplankton that those people are selling. It gets eaten. It just gets, eat, gets eaten a lot faster, and, and you can feed it out way faster. Um, and, and also, our phytoplankton, our phytofeast, the, the algae is not alive. Um, and, and so we can, 
we can keep it, the hobbyists can keep it longer. You know, we're talking nine months is our best buy date for our Fido feast. We just extended it after extensive testing and customer feedback. Uh, and, and what's great about corals and invertebrates that are filter feeding, they could care less if it's alive or not. Um, you know, there's people that have kept fish alive for decades on dead things, on, on prepared foods. And the same goes for corals. And, and so that's, you know, that's a huge thing that we bring to the hobby. Um, nobody even comes close to the amount of algae that we harvest. We harvest more algae in one day than all of our competition combined, mm. probably in a year. Um, and, and so it's, it's significant what we bring as far as that goes. Um, and, then, and then the copepods, we're just very consistent with our live copepods. We've got some very good protocols in place and we're very consistent. And that's another thing that people rely on us for is the consistency. Every bottle is the same out of every single batch. We have very rigorous testing. We actually look at our phytoplankton and, and, our, and our zooplankton under the microscope every single day. Uh, and, and we also have a very strict biosecurity plan at our farm to prevent contamination um, because we have learned in aquaculture over the decades that contamination can bring a company to its knees mm -hmm. and everybody loses, including the lowest paid employee and the owner of the company. Um, and, and so we, we have a very strict biosecurity plan in place. We don't, we don't allow people to go surfing, fishing to a public aquarium and come to our farm, uh, any of our employees. Um, and, and we also have a, a workflow where people are not allowed in certain areas because they're considered contaminated. And when we first got this rolling and, and you know, people were some of our employees that are along with us were kind of ignoring these biosecurity rules. They just got sent home without pay because we can't risk our facility. And we certainly can't risk selling somebody, you know, a live feed culture of rotifers that's contaminated and then contaminate their facility with what we've sold them. And so we take those things incredibly seriously. Uh, and, and this is what has has kept us at the top. Uh, and, and, and product quality is huge and product consistency is huge. Um, and then there's the tech support that, that you know, we offer. Because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand algae and, and some of these feeds and, and how to apply them. And so they come to us, you know, whether they're academics or they're, you know, the, the Department of Natural Resources uh, or, or a, you know, a fish hatchery or an oyster hatchery. Uh, and so we, we have a, our, you know, our, our finger on the pulse of aquaculture. And so we have a good understanding of how these feeds can be applied to a number of animals in aquaculture. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of these people could do their own research. Uh, you know, Google is there, <laughs> but um, they, they come to us and, and, you know, we give them the best advice we can after doing our own research. And we even, we even you know, give advice to people that are using our competition's products. So, uh, uh, so hold, what, uh, <laughs> what percentage of your... Um, you know, products are sold to um, professional institutions, uh, aquariums versus, um, you know, reef keeping aquarium uh, hobbyists. So I'd say on the reef nutrition side, the majority of the products, probably what, 70, 70 percent of the products are sold to hobbyists, to stores and hobbyists. And then the rest is like public aquariums and, and you know, and academics uh, and, and, and a variety of other weird things. Some people do. Um, uh, environmental testing and molecular biology on some of our feeds um, and and so yeah that's that's how it goes and then basically for global for our entire company uh, aquaculture is the majority of what we do and then reef nutrition so it's like 60 40 um, so we do have you know we are we are spread out pretty good we have a good portfolio as far as our customer base goes uh, and we have some pretty random customers um, in fact uh, SpaceX just reached out to us about 
potentially sending copepods up into space. Uh, and and I was like, what? They asked me if they could handle being you know put in a rocket and sent into zero G. And I was like, that is probably going to be the weirdest question <laughs> I've ever had. Well, <laughs> and so we're. Yeah. It's it's not like there's going to be a devastation of life if it doesn't work out, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and they've sent all kinds of animals up, you know, Drosophila and, you know, frogs and all kinds. Yeah. Like, yeah, copepods are going to have no yeah, problem no going up problem. in space. It's just uh, um, like nothing. Yeah, I was just like, can I get my logo on the rock? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Branding opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, so, so, Chad, let's... Um, I have a lot of questions about coral since I'm like an SPS nut. So um, that's, that's kind of like where uh, my questions are coming from. But, um, you know, again, folks that are viewing, if, if you have other questions that uh, you have for Chad, please, please ask away. And, and um, oh, we see uh, inappropriate reefers in the house. What's up there, Moki? Uh, hey, Moki. Hey, man. He says that SpaceX bit is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's way cool, man. Um, I like Moki. I like his acting. Oh, he's great. He's, he's great. Um, so, so Chad, in terms of like keeping SPS corals, you know, there, there are um, sweet spots in terms of parameters that we like to uh, hone in on. A, a lot of reef keepers have certain ranges of like alkalinity. I, I usually like to keep my alkalinity at eight to nine dKH. You know, I like to have some nitrates and phosphates and, um, you know, magnesium at a certain level and, and what have you. Are there any, um, you know, recommended parameters that you guys uh, would say to a hobbyist to, to really optimize the, uh, the impact on, on, of your feeds on the corals, you know, should, should hobbyists just kind of shoot for the, um, you know, accepted ranges for what I just talked about, or is it, does it, you know, help to have like a, um, an ultra low nutrient, uh, type of system for your feeds, or can you, um, you know, have a dirty tank? Any uh, any impact in terms of um, you know the tank itself and, and your feeds? Yes, you know as, as far as that goes, I would say that if you're if you're providing a healthy environment for your corals, the best possible environment you can, and and this is you know water parameters and also lighting and having your corals at certain levels in the aquarium where they you know they're getting the the best lighting that they need. I'd say if you're doing all those things and you're and you're giving your corals the best possible environment they can be in then they are gonna have the best chance of consuming a lot of food and gaining, uh, and gaining mass from, from the nutrition. Um, whereas a coral that's struggling and is unhealthy uh, and, and is in a system where maybe water quality isn't optimal, those corals, you know, even if you're feeding them, they still might just be on the downward track to dying um, because, you know, because of the poor water quality or because the lighting, there's some issue with lighting. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, follow the, the general practices for your specific coral types. And, and you know, these, this, can, this can be certainly tricky for mixed reef tanks. I know that. Um, and I would also say zero nutrient is a bad idea. Um, you know, zero nitrate, zero phosphate is, is, is just a bad idea. Um, and what's great about our products and, you know, all food types is, is that life contains phosphorus. It contains nitrogen, you know, proteins have amino acids, amino acids have night, have, you know, the amino group, the ammonia group. Um, and, and so, um, you know, our, our products will increase those things certainly. Um, but if you're using the proper dosage and your corals are healthy and you're using waste, the proper waste export, because you know, what goes in must come out, whatever the corals don't assimilate into their body, it's, it's waste. And it's drifting around in your, in your glass box 
and it's not going anywhere. It's not going to evaporate. So you cert most certainly need to do your testing and your and your husbandry techniques. Um, and and you know don't rely on feeds like live algae to do that for you. I would never in a million years say, eh, go ahead and get rid of the skimmer and your you know forget your water changes because you're feeding your tank live algae. Because live algae will consume nitrogenous waste and phosphate, but it's still in the tank. You know the algae consumes it, but that algae cell doesn't suddenly disappear with the nitrogen and the phosphorus. You know it might get consumed and they're broken down again, and that nitrate, you know, the ammonia and the phosphate is still in the in the system. Um, and and so so those are just you know things that people just always need to keep in the forefront of their minds with aquariums. Um, so yeah, that, that's you know that's that's a good question. And and some corals can handle a dirty system. Um, and, you know, and there are people that feed very heavily, but they also do heavy mate. Now, I know people with, with NPS tanks that are just look unbelievable, and they're feeding a ton of our products. They're feeding it heavily, but they're also behind the scenes doing a lot of maintenance on their water, on their systems. And, and those are things that you just don't see, but you most definitely should ask those people what they're doing. Yeah, I really believe in a high import, high export type of system. That's what I've always really done, you know, feed heavily. If um, my nitrates and phosphates are low, I mean, yeah, I've, I, I've dosed uh, nitrates and phosphate, um, you know, directly to the tank, but I'd rather not. I'd rather feed more in terms of the fish food and the coral food to, you know, up the, um, the, uh, the nutrients in the tank. But, um, you know, I do have a lot of SPS and they just suck up a lot of the, uh, you know, those elements. So I do have to, uh, to dose, you know, a lot uh, sometimes, but um, yeah, I think it's always better to um, to try to like have that uh, that that type of what comes in, what comes out type of system. So in terms of um, you know regular water changes, good protein skimming, um, you know that sort of thing, uh, siphoning out detritus, I think are all really important, and and that allows you to kind of like you know put in a lot and take out a lot and, and have a healthy system. Yeah, and one thing I must add is that um, in aquaculture with live feed organisms, we found that it is best to feed them small amounts multiple times a day. And this could all apply to an aquarium. And we do have some very motivated hobbyists that have hooked up refrigerators in their cabinets under their tanks or next to their tanks. And they are dosing our feeds semi-continuously. So they've got their little dosing machine inside the fridge with our bottles and lines going into the bottles. Mm -hmm. And those dosers are dosing maybe every hour or maybe maybe every other hour, small amounts of feed. So those corals aren't going through a big food blast and then a 23-hour starvation period. Um, and and so this is this is something that's very interesting and and you know it takes you know some some ingenuity. Um, I know some I know one guy over in San Jose that I want to go visit. He, he plumbed his return line through the refrigerator <laughs> so that when the food, when the doser turns on, it injects the food right into the return line that goes into the tank. And it doesn't back up into the bottles because the dosers, you know, they, they don't allow the water to go back yeah. up through the doser. Um, and, and I was like, that's amazing. Some people saw that and like their jaw dropped. They're like, wow, we should have been doing that all along. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of public aquariums do this. They have these automated systems where they keep our product chilled either in a thermos with ice or in a refrigerator and they're dosing almost continuously small amounts of food to their NPS corals and to their bivalves um, and so that's just something that if, if people want to really take it to the to the ultimate level with our foods those are some key those are some ideas to uh, some things to apply yeah we have some uh, comments um, about some of these mini fridges I think um, 
Battle OCR is, is talking about um, stuff that um, he says there's some cheap ones on Amazon that you can pick up. And, and uh, Loki seems to be very interested in finding one himself. But th- yeah, I, I, I did not realize yeah. that um, people are actually doing that. That's pretty... Uh, that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And there's even there's even wine chillers. So there's a wine chiller that goes down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit, which is totally fine to, to keep our products stabilized. Um, it, there's a wine company called Vino Temp, and they sell this uh, champagne cooler at, on Home Depot's website. And I saw I, I saw a couple of people using that uh, under their system, and it keeps the food cold. And they're just using dosers, like they're using their dosers to feed you know uh, uh, nutrient. And, 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 uh, and, you know, and, and the different things for their corals and, and the water. And I was like, wow, there you go. They're a wine chiller. You know, that's awesome. Uh, so, so, yeah, you know, there's some creative ways to keep the food cold. and, and You learn something new every day, I always say. And yeah. uh, I didn't realize <laughs> that. So I think, you know, at the very least, what, I'll, what I would do is, um, you know, I feed my fish three or four times a, uh, a day. So I used to, um, you know, feed your product just one time with one of those feedings. So I think it would... Sounds like it'd be beneficial to uh, to break it up into those four individual feedings to at least um, spread it out a little bit. Yep, absolutely. And this and uh, and, the, and my friend that is over in San Jose that's doing this, I'm going to actually go see him uh, as soon as it's you know safe, you know, with the COVID thing, and 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 I'm and we're going to do a live interview and we're going to talk about his system uh, because it's pretty cool um, and it's something that I hadn't seen anybody doing before. So so yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Chad, I want to give a little love to uh, LPS now because I've, I've been spending a lot of time on, on SPS and we talked about what you guys, um, you know, what you recommend in terms of the best types of uh, feeds, reef nutrition-wise for SPS. So for LPS and for mixed reef tanks, what, uh, what would you say would be the, you know, the best reef nutrition products to, um, to dose? Yeah, so I know I know a lot of people will will combine oyster feast with the arctopods, which are the large three millimeter copepods. They'll also combine you know branch our brine shrimp and our mysis um, with the oyster feast with a little bit of tank water, and then target feed those LPS uh, uh, corals. Uh, people are also using our TDO to target feed to LPS corals, um, and and what's great about our so the the dry food TDO, which is a granule and a pelleted food. It comes in a variety of sizes, so it does come in some very smaller sizes. In fact, it comes in a powder form, which is 75 to 250 micron. Um, and so there are now more hobbyists that have been experimenting with the TDO, mixing it with some of our other feeds with a little bit of tank water and target feeding their corals, and, and they're loving it. Um, and, and so it's awesome because TDO has that, that red carotenoid, which enhances pigmentation, acts as an antioxidant. So it's really enhancing coloration in, in like you uh, – uh, acans and euphilia, um, and and people are also target feeding TDO, the, even the pellet, the 1.7 millimeter and the 2.3 millimeter to you know bubble tip anemones and and some of the bigger anemones, um, and and so when it comes to LPS corals, yeah, you can get that oyster feast in there. You can mix it with some of the larger uh, uh, you know um, organisms that we work with, the copepods, the brine shrimp, and the mysis, even the roe. Um, and they're kind of making just this really cool slurry cocktail uh, and, and adding a little bit of tank water because we recommend that you, you know, you add that tank water to kind of warm the food up. You don't want to cold shock your colonies if you're target feeding. Um, and so it takes the edge off of that um, for the corals. But, yeah, when it comes to LPS corals, man, they're, they could they they eat quite a bit of, of our products. You know, anything goes with those guys. I mean, I have a lot of, um, you know, like uh, alveopore and gonopore in, in my tanks. Um 
and I have um, you know some hammer coral and and I got a torch in there. But I um, I've never really target fed you know those corals. I've got a couple of um, um, what do I have? Um, it's some. Um, I'm not an LPS guy, so I'm not remembering all these names. Yeah. But uh, what, so, what, what, what's the importance in terms of target feeding versus broadcast feeding for LPS corals? I mean, is it is it really necessary? Do you guys recommend doing that, or you know, I don't know if it's necessary, but they certainly get more nutrition at one time versus having to scavenge it out of an aquarium that's kind of swirling and water's moving quickly. It's it, it's a, it's just certainly a more concentrated dose, and and they can absorb more of the food at one time but you know but yeah most people broadcast feed and when it comes to our ultimate coral invertebrate uh food oyster feast is where it's at if anyone's listening right now that that are looking for our top coral invertebrate filter feed product oyster feast is it that's that's the one you should certainly focus on and then you can mix it in with some of our other products like the the fish eggs the roe the roadie feast the beta brine I got to get one of my uh, LFSs to uh, stock that stuff because um, that's the oyster feast is awesome. But uh, I live in Vermont, so I don't ha I don't have a lot of uh, places around to, uh, to 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 shop in terms of that that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, where do you need to go? Do you need to go to like the capital, Mount Pillar, Burlington? You know, Burlington oh, okay. Water Bear. I think there is one uh, LFS that um, does carry your products. I called them and they said they would uh, they would call you guys up and, and order some. So oh. I got I got to follow through up on, on on that call to uh, to make sure they do okay. that. But uh, yeah. So uh, Chad, you um, you mentioned um, the TDO uh, Crumble Boost, and and um, can you talk about that in terms of the uh, you know for, for feeding fish and and what are the different options there? Yes. Um, so, yeah, the, one, one of the things that people love about TDO is the versatility because of the size of the different sizes that it comes in. Um, and so uh, the most popular sizes are like extra small, small and medium. Um, extra small is great for very small fish, like very small gobies uh, and blennies and some of the smallmouth fish like wrasses and, and some of the smaller anthias uh, species. Um, and so it's, it's just, you know, this TDO is such a high quality dry food. It's, you know, it is being used in aquaculture by companies like Biota. Um, they're using it to wean yellow tangs off of live feeds, mandarin dragonettes off of live feeds, um, clown triggers, a lot of the species that they're working with, they use TDO. Um, and, and a lot of the clownfish breeders in the U.S. use TDO, not just because it is a nutrient dense uh, pellet that is is really fully assimilated into the animals. Very little waste is produced when these animals consume this. But it also, you know, we took this food and top dressed it with a, a freshwater species of algae that is rich in this red carotenoid, which enhances the pigmentation in these clownfish. You know, the true perks and the ocellaris. Um, because if you're not, if you don't include these things into their diet, they do not look wild type. Now, you take a, a, an ocellaris that is, is raised without certain carotenoids in its diet, and it'll be yellow or brown. And you look at its wild-type counterpart in the ocean, and those fish are very rich orange, almost red. Um, and, and they're just beautiful. So clownfish breeders love this food, not just because it comes in a variety of sizes, and they can start weaning these fish at a very young age. Um, in fact, they're starting to introduce this food at day three, hmm. before these fish even go through metamorphosis. And they've eliminated hatching brine shrimp. 
because this this weaning diet is so useful and it's so good for the fish that they can skip using artemia and brine shrimp altogether. And once their fish are onto this dry diet, they grow very fast and it's much easier to take care of them. Um, and so, so with all this being said and all these things being done in aquaculture, it's, it's going to be absolutely beneficial for your fish and your corals. Um, and, and you can buy, you know, the TDO value pack, which is three different sizes. So if you have very small fish and huge fish or, you know, big, like, you know, trigger fish, um, you can buy a variety of sizes and you can also combine them in an auto feeder. Uh, and, and, you know, your fish, you can feed your fish as often as you like in an auto feeder. Um, TDO is packaged in mylar bags, which prevents gas exchange, uh, gas in, invasion into the food. Um, we also put moisture absorbers and oxygen absorbers in each package um, to prevent oxidation of lipids and to prevent rancidity, anything going wrong. We really go to great lengths to protect the quality of the food. Um, and so this is not like a jar of food. Uh, it's, you know, it's a mylar package with a little spout with a little bitty pore cap. Um, that way, not a lot of oxygen and air gets into the food. Um, and we also recommend people keep it refrigerated, but some people don't, and they don't really report anything negative. Um, we, we have a best by date of a year, uh, but people typically go beyond that without any negative um, issues. Uh, and, and, and also the, the, the variety of animals that it's being fed to. I know people that are feeding it to mandarins. Uh, they're feeding it to garden eels. Uh, I know folks that are feeding it to axolotls, African frogs, freshwater fish. There, there are some betta uh, fighting fish people that swear by it. Um, people working with neocardinid and cardinia shrimp are, are feeding it to those, to those animals as well. Um, I know a woman in Colorado that breeds Plotostomus, and she, she's, she's like it's Viagra for, for Plotostomus. <laughs> um, and so it's, you know, all of these, what, you know, I, I heard somebody say swimming testimonials. You know, all these things are, are just, you know, just um, make this food amazing and versatile. And now we've got people using the very smaller size, the powder size, to feed to SPS and LPS corals. Uh, and, and so it's, it's just got a huge variety of, of, of size, versatility, and the nutrition. And it's very rich uh, nutritionally. Uh, and in fact, Bulk Reef Supply um, named it best in show last year, uh, you know, comparing it to every, all the other uh, you know, big name uh, brands out there. Uh, and TDO did very well, performed very well among their customer base. Uh, we're we're thrilled to hear that because they'd only been carrying it for like 11 months. Wow. Um, and and so and so they continue to place huge orders and keep it rocking and rolling. Um, and you know we went with Bulk Reef Supply because it's hard to get another dry food into a pet store. It really is. It's if you walk into some of the bigger stores, there's entire aisles dedicated to to flake food and pelleted yeah. food. And my gosh, what, how how difficult for a consumer. Um, and and so TDO is actually in, you know making its way into some of those smaller shops where the owners and the employees actually use the food they swear by it so they can easily recommend it here's tdo we use it look at our clownfish look at our beautiful display tank fish um you know they're healthy they're colorful uh and and it's an easy pellet to work with you know in conjunction with all other feed types you know people are feeding frozen foods that's fine um but but yeah it's it's a wonderful food it's it's great and i i've used it myself i use dotohimi which um so we buy the the pelleted food from japan it's called otohimi uh and otohimi is a global fish hatchery diet mm. it's being used in a number of applications flounder hatcheries sea bass amberjack cobia redfish uh snapper um, uh, bream all over the world this food is being used and so we import it into north america we top dress it with astaxanthin and we package it appropriately for hobbyists 
So, Chad, I want to do a time check here. We're, we're a couple of minutes before the, uh, the top of the hour, and, and uh, I want to be uh, respectful of your, uh, of your time. I, I have more questions, but um, if you need, to, uh, I'm good. you need to roll, you can roll. But, uh, yeah, um, so, again, folks, if, if you wanted to ask questions, just, uh, you know, put it in the, uh, in the comment, uh, in the chat there. But, um, Chad, what, what I'm interested in also is, um, you know, there's options for customers to culture their own, uh, you know, their own uh, food with you guys, you know. So you have kits yep. that you can, um, you know, uh, use to, to uh, culture uh, rotifers, right? That's correct. Yes. Um, yeah. So rotifers are one of the most um, <clears throat> popular life feed organisms in, in, in aquaculture, in fish aquaculture. So, for instance, the clownfish breeders are the, 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 the most of the clownfish breeders are using rotifers as a first live feed organism for their larval fish. Uh, and so we, we, over the years, have, have designed these systems for people to culture rotifers, designed the feeds for the rotifers, provided equipment like sieves uh, and, and, um, and dosing, um, you know, graduated uh, dosing pipettes, and also tech support and, and, and our rotifer support pages. Uh, and, and in fact, this year we're, we're releasing, finally releasing a, a new filter it's a hang on the back filter that hangs on a bucket and we're call, calling it the roadie clean filter. And my good friend, Ben here is, is on with us right now with atomic aquaculture. He's the, he's the whiz kid behind this, uh, filter. Um, he, he manufactures it for us. Uh, and, and we're going to start selling it to, you know, the people that are currently working with rotifers and anybody that wants to take on these animals and rotifers aren't just being used in clownfish aquaculture. We have stores that are, that are growing rotifers, either in the back room or they're growing them on the, on the show floor. And it's a great, you know, talking piece, you know, customers walk up and say, what is that bubbling in that, in that, you know, cone? Uh, and, and, you know, they strike up a conversation, talk about rotifers and the benefits. And, and so people are feeding rotifers to their corals too. They're feeding live fully enriched rotifers to SPS and LPS corals. Uh, they're, they're also feeding them to Anthias and, and some of the smaller mouth fishes. And, uh, and so it's really cool to, to, you know, be able to pro provide all of that, all the equipment, the food, the live rotifers, these, you know, the contamination free live rotifer starters uh, and to people. And if they have a crash, if they lose, lose their rotifers, we got them because we have we have a two billion rotifer culture system at our farm mm. um, in our in our biosecure room where we grow our rotifers. Uh, we have a, a thousand liter tank and it is chocked full of rotifers. You can practically walk on the water. There's so many of them. Uh, and and so. We, and the only reason why we grow that many is because we have fish hatcheries. Like, let's say you're in Norway and you're growing cod and you had way more cod than you were expecting to hatch or your rotifers crashed. Who are you going to call? <laughs> so they call up Reed Mariculture, say, look, we need a billion rotifers. We need them shipped, you know, to, in two days. Done. We got you. And so, you know, we get all hands on deck. We get a couple people over at the rotifer room. We start bagging up rotifers because we'll do like 10 million per bag. So you can imagine a billion rotifers at 10 million per bag. That's a lot of bad. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you count those things? I mean, do uh, people get shortchanged so, sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we do, we absolutely do quantify all of our cultures. Um, we, we quantify before we sell, we quantify just so that we know what we have. Um, but yeah, what we do is we take a subsample. So this is a very common practice in science and in aquacultures. You take a very small sample from the large volume of culture that you're working with. You count them all under a microscope and then you do the math. So let's say you've got a 2000 liter container and you count, uh, you know, uh, uh, one rotifer in a milliliter. So you just multiply that one rotifer times 2,000, and that's how many total rotifers you have. And this is what we do for our copepods. 
And this is what helps us be very consistent with our packaging, with our with our biomass, with the amount of animals per bottle per bag. Um, and then and then we 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 add in you know like a twenty we add in twenty percent extra for any any counting error. We do tend to take three samples and then average them out, but there's always going to be sampling error. So we we take that into account and we add twenty twenty percent, uh, twenty to twenty five percent. Uh, to account for that. I'm sure, uh, <laughs> I'm sure folks are getting more than what they thought. So uh, I was just busting your chops. So one other uh, thing I'm curious about, you know, Chad, is, um, is there a certain time when, um, you know, when you start a new tank, let's say, you know, a brand new tank and, and um, you know, you're cycling and it's done with the cycle and you're establishing the biological bed is there a certain amount of time that you would recommend waiting before using your feeds for a new tank? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you, so when it comes to copepods, when it comes to seeding the tank with copepods and, uh, you know, we offer two species for doing that. Um, you want to wait till you start seeing some algae growing on the glass and on the rocks, you know, the, the, the brown algae, the diatoms, uh, you know, the filamentous algae, hair algae, you start seeing those things, you know, typical things that happen in a new tank. Uh, once you start seeing those things, then it's cool to add copepods because um, you can dose phytoplankton, like our phytofeast, to those copepods to, to provide them with some nutrition. But it's good for them to have food already in the tank that they can munch on in between feedings. Um, and as far as our products go for, you know, when you started to add corals <clears throat> and fish, um, you certainly don't want to go overboard. You want to be very conservative with the dosing. You know, if you're if you've got a tank where you've got one SPS coral or or you know, I don't know if I don't know anybody that has a tank and just buys one SPS. That's that's hard. Five, five yeah, it's hard to just buy one stick and say, okay, I'll wait a week. Um, most people buy a whole bunch of them all at once, and that's that's awesome if you can afford it. Um, but 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 yeah, you want to start off with our smallest volume, a six ounce bottle of Oyster Feast, uh, and and be very conservative, even if you have to go with half the half our lowest dose. So our lowest dose recommendation is one teaspoon per hundred gallons per day. You can go half of that or even lower and, and just, you know, nothing good happens fast in this hobby. So, you know, crawl first before you can stand up and start walking. Um, take your time because just dumping an oyster feast to a tank that has, you know, 10 frags of corals that are this big is you're just going to pollute the tank or you're just going to spend more money doing water changes uh, or, or at, at best you're going to drive your skimmer crazy. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, just take it slow and then, you know, once you get up to the point where your, you know, your tank is chock full of corals and you can start working your way up to the larger volume volumes and adding more per day. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's certainly what I would recommend. As far as TDO goes, <clears throat> when you start adding fish, it's, it's fine to buy a three ounce bag and, you know, just feed them as much as they can eat within a couple of minutes. Um, you know, that's kind of the rule of thumb in this, in this industry. And, uh, and, and I know people that will feed their, uh, you know, pelleted foods to their animals a couple times a day. Um, so yeah, just, you know, and, and, you know, you can even do it by hand, you know, a couple pinches here and there, uh, and, and even in an auto feeder where it's got, you know, you got it set very low and it's only, you know, spilling out a little bit of food. Um, but yeah, yeah. Start slow, be conservative. Don't, don't, don't go crazy. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I absolutely am on board with nothing good happens in this hobby when you do it too quickly. That's for sure. Taking your time and patience. That is the key to success. Absolutely. Um, Chad, just one more question for you. Any, um, any new products in the pipeline that uh, we should be aware of or? 
So the only new product that we're that we're releasing is the Roti Clean filter for people that want to culture live rotifers. Um, we're gonna have we're having some people tested on copepods to see if copepods can can um, can thrive with that filter. So we're working on that. But as far as new new uh, products go beyond that, nothing new. Um, we have been working on a new website for gosh over a year, and we're actually getting ready to release it this month. We've been We've gone with Shopify. We have a whole new shopping cart experience. Uh, we're offering subscriptions to those folks that don't have a local fish store that carries Reef Nutrition, and they want to have access to our feeds in an affordable way. We're looking at flat rate shipping for people that, you know, yeah, East Coasters, <laughs> where shipping can be, gosh, 30 bucks for one bottle. You know, that's FedEx. That's what we have to deal with. We don't, sh we don't charge extra for shipping. Shipping's a nightmare for us. Yeah. People, hobbyists complain about it, but for us, it is like the bane of my existence. Um, and so we're looking for way, we, we've, we, we're getting very close to finding ways to make it flat rate for everybody. <clears throat> Shipping will never be free. It'll never be free from us because that's insane. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, the new website, we're, we're, doing a, uh, we're doing a feature called Shop by Animal. So we've basically taken our feed chart and turned it into individual pages. So if you want to, you know, you want to know, let's say you want to know what would my clownfish eat, you go to the clownfish tab and it populates a list of products for clownfish, gives a little bit of information, a little bit of you know geographical stuff about clownfish and pictures and images. Uh, and, and then we're doing shop by tank type as well. So we've, we've gone and looked at the most popular tank types, SPS dominant, mixed reef, uh, non-photosynthetic, fowler tank, fish only. And we've designated products for those tanks specifically to help give people more resolution, more information about which products are most appropriate for their animals. Uh, we're also doing kits, uh, the Clownfish Breeder Kit, Seahorse Kit, uh, our ultimate coral combo, which will be our ultimate coral and filter feeder combo, which will be Oyster Feast and Fido Feast, um, and, 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 then, um, and then more videos on, on these individual products. I'm going to do like little one-minute segments on each product to talk about the positive attributes and how to use it and what to look for. Um, and, and, of course, our tech support is always going to be there for people to, to send us emails or give us a call, whether it's through social media or through email. Um, so that, that, this is, this website has been just like driving us wild for over a year and it's finally coming together. It's finally going to be finished. Um, and we've got some people that are going to test it and try to break it, um, you know, in the next couple of weeks. And, and so that's, we're very excited about that because we're going to be able to inform people much better and our, and our business to business uh, site is going to be much more informative. Our graphics are all updated. We went and bought a photo, photo studio to take pictures of all of our products, all of our, all of our, um, bottles. We're doing new microscopic images of everything. Uh, and so it's just going to be visually um, accommodating for people that love that kind of thing. Uh, and it's just, it's just going to be a better overall experience. And we finally, you know, come into the new age. We're, we're not back in the 90s with this website. <laughs> so, Chad, when, when's the, uh, the new website going to launch? And when, when do you think the, uh, the flat rate shipping will, uh, will happen? Next month. Awesome. September. That's a yep. beautiful thing. And, and one thing I must say is if you have a local fish store that carries Reef Nutrition, just buy it from them um, because you don't have to pay for shipping through your local fish store. And we love you to support yeah, your local fish store. Important. And in fact, the majority of our customers do prefer to buy from their local fish store, even though they can buy direct from us. We sell direct. We've always sold direct. And the reason is, is because not everybody has a fish store that carries our products. And there are actually people that there are aquarium hobbyists that don't have a store at all. You know, they've learned everything from online, from videos, from going to trade shows, 
they don't even have a store near them because they can buy everything online. You know, this is just the world we live in right now. Yeah. Um, and so those people absolutely need access to our products. Uh, and, and, you know, there's people that don't want to fight the traffic to go downtown and, and visit their local fish store. And, 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 and certainly right now with the pandemic, it's just, you know, there's a lot of problems with travel and people going places and wearing masks. And so we've, we, you know, we did some free shipping promos the past three months for people uh, to give them more access to our products. And, and what didn't surprise us was most of the people that took, act, took uh, advantage of our free shipping promo were East Coasters because the shipping is just terrible for them. Um, and, and so a lot of people were able to get our products in hand uh, due to that. But yeah, please support your local fish store there. They, they are truly, um, you know, needed. They, they, they're huge for this industry. So, yeah. Greg Carroll uh, has been watching there. What's up, Greg, man? Thanks for tuning in again. Greg. Howdy. So uh, actually, we're, uh, I think we're going to wrap it, uh, Chad. Do you, have any, uh, okay. do you have any final thoughts? Uh, nothing else. I, I'm, well, yes, I do. I have, I have one final thought. Is, is the trade shows. We're, we're very sad that there aren't any trade shows this year. And I, I know that Reef of Blues in New York still might happen in December. And same with uh, Reef Smart in, in North Carolina. But we doubt that those shows will go on. Um, I really miss touching base with the customers at these shows, visiting stores, and so 2021, if, you know, the pandemic is under control and we can, you know, move freely and, and not be stressed and fearful, uh, we would love to see you at these trade shows. Please support these events. There, It's a great place to meet manufacturers and vendors, and you could even score a nice coral or fish. Uh, and, and also some of these places are really cool destinations like Orlando and, and you know, Macna is in pretty cool places um, throughout the country. And I, I feel so sorry for Phoenix that... Magna didn't come together for them. Ah, I was looking, I was really looking forward to that. Um, and so I feel for those people, but, but yeah, next year, please come to a trade show. If they're, if they're actually going to happen and come see us at our booth. Um, we've, we've always sponsored the trade shows. We support the, the scene, uh, wholeheartedly. Um, so, so yeah, we'd love to see you there. Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll see you at one of those shows. Um, you know, I'm, I'm keeping, uh, hope that the reef of Palooza in New York will happen, but I, I don't think it's looking that great right now for December to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, hopefully next year and, and hopefully, uh, you know, Magna and Atlanta next year will be, uh, maybe that'll uh, kind of be the start, the, the restart maybe, uh, who knows. Anyway, that, um, yes. that'll, yep. um, that'll do it for the show. Chad, I want to thank you, man, for being a guest on the, on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And, and uh, maybe we'll have you on, uh, you know, again next year, if, if you come, if you want to come on. And, uh, you know, okay. talking again, but it's been awesome. So anyway, I want to thank, uh, you know, Chad for, for being a guest. And, you know, I want to remind you folks, my next show will be uh, next Thursday, August 13th. And this one's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And my guest is going to be Kat Dewan. Hopefully I pronounced that right, Kat. She's also known as uh, Metro Cat. And uh, really excited to have her on next week. So, um, you know, she's a well-known hobbyist and marketer in the industry, and it should be a great show. Anyway, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Be safe and uh, be well, and we'll see you next time.